And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND. Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson again today. As I mentioned yesterday, always an honor to fill in for the bishop. And uh, good to be in the chair today. The bishop will be back uh, real soon. All right. You know what? Uh, covering politics, uh, politics, serious business. It, it really is uh, because it affects, obviously, public policy. And uh, the fight is on uh, most of the time when it comes to uh, what is happening in public policy in this country because, uh, no shocking news here, uh, this country is greatly politically divided right now uh, with the agendas of both parties very different. And uh, certainly when you listen here to American Family Radio, uh, we make no mistake about uh, what we do each day to bring light to what is happening out there, important issues Uh, like abortion that's going on right now. Important issues like the bid by the Democrats right now uh, to try to pass a national uh, same-sex marriage law across the country. So important things going on. But every now and then, you get to step back a little bit, and it kind of brings a smile to your face on how things are going, things are being reacted to, And what I'm talking about, you may remember last weekend, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, uh, was on NBC's, uh, I think it was Meet the Press program with uh, with Chuck Todd. And she was challenged about uh, the situation on our southern border. And I'm going to have you listen to what she had to say, the exchange that went on between Todd and, and the vice president. But the bottom line was our vice president, who is, I think, the border czar, President Biden put her in charge of the safety of the border. Last Sunday, she said unequivocally that our border is secure. So have a listen to this interview, a little bit of the interview between Chuck Todd and Kamala Harris. Cut one. Would you call the border secure? I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do. Is the first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. My, my, my. Uh, Humming and hawing. But the bottom line was the vice president of the United States told Americans last Sunday, our border is secure. Now, normally... Normal Americans would interpret that statement that the border is secure. In other words, there aren't hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants flowing into the country, right? That, that, that's kind of just that natural interpretation of a secure border. And that's the way it has been for years, folks. I mean, I lived in Canada for many years, and I understand what a secure border is. I approached the border, and a border agent would ask me, you know, where you headed, and, uh, you know, got some ID and all that sort of thing. And uh, people who have immigrated to this country legally, uh, they go through a process. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. But that was the legal way to do it. We don't have that on our southern border right now. We have hundreds of thousands at the encouragement of this Democrat president. Remember during the Democrat, the campaign, the election campaign in 2020, he said he would invite a surge on the border, which is exactly what we have right now. Even Chuck Todd in that interview said, you know, we're going to have at least two million. Actually, it's closer to four million that have come into this country illegally since Joe Biden became president. 
So it was kind of interesting, given that uh, statement from Vice President Harris on the weekend that the border is secure, that this morning we woke up to the news that um, this morning, early this morning, two busloads of illegal immigrants arrived at the vice president's residence in Washington, D.C. They came from Texas, courtesy of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, Back a couple of days ago, I guess, maybe shortly after the interview that Harris gave on NBC, uh, he offered, he didn't force people onto these illegals onto the bus, he offered them to send them, and they did. And they were dropped off this morning outside the residence of Vice President Kamala Harris. Here you go, Vice President. Here's proof. We have thousands of illegals. And here's a couple of busloads just for you. What are you going to do with them? Uh, Along the same line, here's what's really interesting, too. Overnight, (laughs) not to be outdone by the Texas governor, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, he sent two plane loads of illegal immigrants from Florida up to Martha's Vineyard. Now, Martha's Vineyard, if you're, you're probably familiar with the name, it's a very kind of ritzy kind of resort area where very wealthy people live, including the former president, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. They live in Martha's Vineyard. And so uh, DeSantis sends two plane loads of illegal immigrants. Why not share the wealth? There you go. Hey, listen, they're, they're, I'm, I'm making light of this just because I, I, I think these two Republican governors are doing what's exactly what's right. The Arizona governor doing much the same thing. Democrat policies have allowed this uh, storm of illegal immigration to happen in this country. And the Democrats were fine allowing that to happen. These Democrat leaders in Chicago, in Washington, D.C., in New York, and other places, and obviously the president, just fine with that. As long as those illegal immigrants just impose themselves on border states like Texas, like Arizona, and, and you remember, Biden started shipping them to Florida as well. So they were just fine with that. But when these governors, these Republican governors, started saying, okay, we're going to start shipping some of them up to you. Remember, these, some of these leaders, these Democrat leaders, were very proudly announcing over the last several years that they were sanctuary cities. And uh, we're happy to welcome uh, illegals. Well, now these same leaders, the mayor of Chicago, the mayor of Washington, D.C., the mayor of New York City, are now all complaining. How, how terrible. The mayor of Chicago uh, yesterday, I think, called a news conference and said it was racist. It was racist that Governor Abbott of Texas was sending these people up to her city. And we now know, too, of course, the news that came earlier this week out of Chicago, uh, that the Chicago city officials were shipping these immigrants out to a suburb without telling the suburb what was going on. So... They're doing the same thing. They're condemning Governor Abbott for doing this. They're doing the same thing exactly, exactly uh, in their own city. They don't want them. See, they're happy. They're happy as long as the consequences of their public policies don't affect them. That's what's going on here, folks. Just another example of why I believe the Democrats are in trouble, even with some within their own base. All right, much more ahead here on The Awakening. This Thursday edition, we're back after the break. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. 
The acronym DEI is found in business and the academy. It's now being used in medical schools. DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. A new report of top medical schools documents that DEI has been used to weed out applicants who aren't firmly within the latest woke metric. The nonprofit Do No Harm conducted an analysis of medical school application processes and concluded that these schools were raising an additional entry barrier on top of the grade requirements and testing. The report argues that these medical schools are asking these questions to turn ideological support for health equity and social justice initiatives into a credential that increases an applicant's chance of acceptance. As you might expect, the questions on the applications ranged widely. One application asked prospective students how you have committed yourself to understanding and aiding in the pursuit of equity and inclusion in your academic, professional, or personal life. Another was more direct. The school asked applicants to share their thoughts on opposing systemic racism, anti-LGBTQ discrimination, and misogyny. The application then asked, how will you contribute? You know, this latest medical school trend parallels what has been happening on university campuses for years. Heather McDonald documents how these woke ideas have spread from the university to the workplace in her book, The Diversity Delusion. And medical schools certainly have the right to ask questions of prospective students that help faculty determine whether they will make good doctors. But you could simply ask an open-ended question like, why do you want to become a physician? But these applications are using DEI to weed out certain applicants. I'm Kirby Anderson. And that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Critical Race Theory, go to viewpoints.info slash CRT. A constant decay rate? This is Ken Ham, inviting you to visit our life-size Noah's Ark attraction south of Cincinnati. Radiometric dating is believed to be proof of long ages, but the process is laid with assumptions. Here's one. Scientists must assume the rate at which atoms decay is constant. If the decay rate was different in the past, the dates can't be trusted. And there's evidence the decay rate was much faster in the past. In a study, the decay of crystals in uranium gave a radiometric age of one and a half billion years. But the decay also produces helium. Yet only 6,000 years worth of helium has leaked out so the billion-year age can't be right. The decay rate was much faster in the past, making it impossible to get absolute ages. Plan your trip to the full-size Noah's Ark at the Ark Encounter when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. Children 10 and under are free this year, so bring your family. Go to AnswersRadio.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And once again, Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson today. And joining us right now from Washington, D.C., is our good friend Gary Bauer, Campaign for Working Families, keeping an eye on things in the nation's capital. Gary, welcome. Thanks, Fred. Great to be with you as always. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, our Vice President Kamala Harris on NBC <laughs> last weekend declaring the border was secure. Well, uh, proof that uh, she wasn't quite telling the truth arrived at her, literally, her front door there in Washington this morning with a couple of busloads of illegal immigrants from Texas. Uh, I, I yeah. thought that, Gary, that was so ironic. Oh, my goodness. It was, uh, you know, usually when I get up in the morning, Fred, and turn on the computer or the TV and begin to prepare for another day of battle, uh, I'm horrified by the stories I see. I'm depressed sometimes. I turned on things this morning and saw that story, and I have to admit it brought a big grin to my face. Uh, uh, You know, she's only gone to the border once. She's supposed to be the border czar. She went to, quote, the border uh, and it ended up that she was nowhere close to where the millions of people have been crossing. So Governor Abbott, uh, good for him, brought the border to her, which is uh, a pretty a pretty nice move. And uh, to have him dropped off uh, outside uh, the Naval Observatory, which is the official home of any vice president of the United States, uh, adds a little bit of ice into the cake. I, I tell you what. Uh... There seems to be, you know, Gary, I've often said this. If if the Democratic Party did not have the support of the mainstream media in this country, 
uh, there is no question of where this midterm election would go uh, because there's just so much evidence of failure and hypocrisy. I mean, Joe Biden goes up to Detroit yesterday and he's proudly uh, shown around some uh, electric vehicles, you know, that sell for $80,000 that, of course, most Americans can afford those. No problem at all. <laughs> but but then so he's asked about a Corvette, one of these uh, eight-cylinder Corvettes, and he said, boy, that is really, really nice. And I thought that was a reflection of what Americans, they want a choice, Gary. They want a choice, but this administration is trying to force EVs down the throats of America, which most of us cannot afford. Well, we, we can't afford them, and there's all sorts of problems that in this mad rush and this ongoing propaganda campaign that big media continues to give us, uh, none of the questions are, are being dealt with. We, we, if we're literally in the next 12 years, and I don't believe it, it will happen, but if literally in the next 12 years uh, American car manufacturers are only making electrical vehicles, uh, then the electric grid we currently have would shut down. It could not take that load. We're seeing already in California where, you know, amazingly it gets hot in the summer out there. I guess they got uh, that desert they forgot about, uh, that they had to caution EV owners to not recharge their vehicles uh, during the middle of the day or prime electricity uh, usage time because it might cause the system uh, to unwind. Well, that's the very time you need your automobile. Likewise, what happens when a major hurricane, for example, goes through the Gulf and knocks out electrical power? We've seen it in recent years, sometimes for weeks. If you can't plug your vehicle in to recharge it so that you've got the use of your vehicle during a time of an emergency. So there's all sorts of holes in this, but the one that... I think is the most serious, uh, Fred, is that uh, with the combustion engine, we, we need gasoline, we need oil, and the United States has plenty of oil. The world it gets oil from us. We've got so much of it. So here's a real strength we have, and we're throwing it away, and then we're going to replace it with EV vic, uh, vehicles, which need uh, lithium and all sorts of rare earth metals that the Chinese communists basically have a monopoly on. So in the middle of the growing Chinese communist threat, we're making ourselves more dependent on them. You know, speaking of China, I'd like to get your reaction to the fact that China, uh, the Chinese leader and Putin are meeting. Uh, that causes me great concern when it comes to global stability. What's going on there? Uh, yes, it, you know, we... Foreign policy is not something the American people think about very much, unless they have a son or daughter in harm's way. You, you think about it then. But for most Americans, it's stories on the newspaper. You might get a little frustrated or whatever about one story or another. We're used, when, when we are in wars, whether it's the Korean War or Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan, if we lose a war, we're not going to lose our freedom. Well, fast forward to today. We're facing formidable enemies. China and Russia are being driven closer together. Iran is on the verge of nuclear weapons. We're facing a rising China who's now have now has a navy bigger than our own. You put these powers together along with North Korea and others and we're now facing a group of adversaries where if we're in a conflict and we lose it wouldn't be an embarrassment like the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It would mean literally that the United States had lost its freedom. So we're entering a very dangerous period of time. It's going to probably last for several decades before we realize how it's all going to come out. And we've got to get better leadership than we have now in the White House and in the United States Congress if we're going to be able to meet these challenges. Gary, I've heard a lot of people say that it Donald Trump was still in the White House, uh, we would not be in this situation when it comes to our national security that we're seeing today. There's no question about it. Uh, 
look, we learned this from Ronald Reagan, peace through strength. The British learned it the hard way through Winston Churchill. He kept telling them, "You've got, we've got to rebuild our military. We've got." They laughed at him. They mocked him. They tried to, to to destroy him. Then, when they finally woke up, they called on him to be their prime minister to help them win that war. Uh, for four years, Russia had designs on Ukraine. It never went in to Ukraine because. President Trump made it absolutely clear that if they tried that, the response would be overwhelming and do not test him. He he kept the Chinese communists at bay with the, the same message. And because he was a tough guy in a way that some Americans didn't like, these foreign dictators and communist leaders were unwilling to take a risk. To, to, to see whether he would stand up to them or not. But as soon as Joe Biden came into office, all around the world, the threat assessments against the United States went up. They continue to go up. And this president is clueless about those dangers. You know, I, I think, Gary, that a lot of people don't wake up every day thinking about those those issues when it comes to our national security. Uh, their, their focus is on the economy. Uh, I was reading the results of the latest AP NORC poll, and uh, Joe Biden continues to be underwater when it comes to the economy. Is the economy, in your opinion, going to be the deciding factor when people go to the polls now in in less than seven weeks? Well, it it should be, uh, but as you said earlier, Fred, the, the 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 American media may as well be controlled by the government when that government is under the control of the liberal left. Now, when a Republican gets into office, the American media becomes the opposition media again and goes after them every day. But this media literally just parrots whatever talking points the Democrat National Committee puts out. So uh, with all these attacks on conservatives, calling them quasi-fascists, uh, a domestic terror threat, I mean, just outrageous things, and then the control of big media with the Democrat Party, plus all their money, uh, the, these elections in a little over 50 days are likely to be a lot closer than they should have been. I'm still confident. I still believe there might be a very quiet vote out there of people that are upset about what's happening with the economy, as well as at the border and with crime and other things. But uh, I tell you, Fred, every last person in America that doesn't like what's happening now needs to get to the polls however they can get there. Walk, drive, crawl, call a friend, whatever it has to be. Uh, you got to get there. You've got to vote. And we've got to vote in such overwhelming numbers that even fraud in the election cannot overcome uh, our margin of victory. I think the conservative base is electrified uh, and they are ready, Gary, I think, to to go to the polls because uh, for one reason, I believe, and that is the economy. I, you know, it's the one thing that it's hard to lie about. Uh, a family knows if the paycheck that a year ago paid all their bills and had a little bit left over for savings, suddenly now, even after a raise, is barely paying their bills and there's nothing left over for savings. You you can lie to them. You can say it's uh, it's not what it appears, but they know because they're sitting around that dinner table. And I think likewise, if you were trying to buy your first house and you've watched interest rates go from two and a half percent to over six percent in just the last six months, uh, these are really things that harm the average American's uh, life now and and the future dreams that they have for them and their families. Gary, always good to talk to you. Where can people get your end of day, your assessment of what's going on in the country? Great to talk to you too, Fred. They can go to our, O-U-R, ouramericanvalues.org. Great to talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless. All right. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. 888-589-8840. 8840. It's my turn. 
Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. For 17 years, the Green Gate was a striptease club in San Antonio, Texas. All kinds of people came to the Green Gate. Some were lonely people seeking companionship. Some were frustrated people trying to sap a temporary thrill from a life that had no meaning. Some were ignorant people who thought life offered nothing higher than a bottle of booze and a naked dame. The Green Gate is closed now. It's out of business. It wasn't so much a lack of business that closed the Green Gate. It was more of a change of attitude on the part of the owner. Guy Linton closed down his club and said it will stay closed. Linton even posted a sign over the club door which read, Closed Forever. There's many clubs like the Green Gate still in operation across the country, thousands of them. There people can go to find lights low, music loud, and booze plentiful. Many of them do a thriving business, living off the superficial food they offer to the deep hunger in the human heart. Dr. Gallup ran a poll on happiness many years ago. He found that the most unhappy people were those who visited the taverns and clubs. Isn't that strange? The people out having a good time supposedly are the most unhappy people you'll find. Will Rogers, a man of a day gone by, used to tell about a druggist who was asked if he ever took time off from his duties to have a good time. The druggist said that he did not, but that he sold a lot of headache medicine to those who did. <laughs> what is a good time? How do you define it? Is it something that has no lasting value in it? is gone when you wake up the next morning? Or is it the deep satisfaction that comes from knowing you're drinking deep from the cup of life offered by the Father? Surely happiness comes from having some great objective, beneficial to mankind, and single-mindedly pursuing that objective with all the strength in oneself. Some of those who are seeking happiness in the clubs and taverns are surprised when they finally find happiness. They're surprised to find that it comes not from a club, but from a cause, a great and demanding cause. Guy Linton found it in this manner. You see, Linton made his decision to close the Green Gate after listening to a sermon. Guy Linton has, to use the familiar words, changed over to the Lord's side. But don't worry about the Green Gate. Linton has said that the Green Gate will be turned into a religious bookstore. Let's hope the Green Gate keeps its same customers that it had for many years. And unless other club owners are ready to close down their clubs, we advise them to stay away from the man of Galilee. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And indeed, welcome back. Fred Jackson sitting in for the bishop today. Glad to do so. Uh, love to hear from you right now. 888-589-8840. Your report card on the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, uh, saying our southern border is secure and then being treated to evidence to the contrary this morning as Governor Abbott of Texas sends a couple of busloads of illegals to her residence in Washington, D.C. If you haven't seen that, uh, maybe it's on YouTube somewhere, but it is worth, it really is worth going to have a look at that. Proof, not that the American people need proof that she didn't know what she was talking about, or maybe she did and she thought she really could mislead the American public. Uh, your thoughts on that, 888-589-8840. You know, I, while we're waiting for those calls, I wanted to return to something I just briefly mentioned yesterday about the way this administration is treating our members of the military. Now, we know there's been a lot of controversy. Uh, Joe Biden, during the pandemic, uh, entered into these vaccine mandates Remember uh, telling federal workers 
that if you didn't get the vaccine, you weren't going to work for the federal government. We're going to throw you out. And, and of course, they were telling the American people at that time that the vaccine was going to save you from getting COVID. But we now know that's not true. The president himself has had COVID a couple of times. And he's, what, vaccinated and boosted two or three times? We all know now that this idea that a vaccine will keep COVID from you and keep you from spreading it to someone else, keep you from getting it again, that's just not true. And yet those vaccine mandates remain in place for our members of the military, which I think is, is absolutely disgusting because there's no science anymore to that. I can only think it's just a matter of, quite frankly, quite meanness to our military people. At a time when our military is having real tough times recruiting, getting people in, and they're continuing with these vaccine mandates. So we got to keep our military members in prayer. And then there was, in the last day, a recommendation coming from within the military to members of the military, hey, if you're having a tough time during this period of inflation when prices of groceries and other things are going through the roof, the military is telling its members, maybe you want to think about food stamps. How embarrassing. We're trying to get people to join our military, but we're telling them at the same time, hey, if you come in, we're not going to pay you enough to keep your family going. We're not going to pay you enough to pay the rent, to pay the groceries and other expenses that we all have. Pete Hexeth, who is a spokesperson, you know him from Fox and Friends, was asked to respond to this this morning. Cut number seven. No one I've ever met joined the Army because they wanted to get rich. Uh, that's never been part of it. So I, Army pay has been chronically low for decades. One, two percent increases. Base pay of an Army private in 2020 $21,000 a year. Now, that does not include basic allowances for housing and for, sub, uh, for food and other items that you could, you could add to it. But that's about half what a, a McDonald's drive through worker makes in a base pay. Then your command and your government says, you know what? Thank you for your service. Here's some food stamps uh, because you're, we've made you so poor. Be praying for our members of the military, folks. That's all I can say. And hopefully... Hopefully the American people are upset enough about this, even that one issue, the way our military is being treated right now, that perhaps it's time to think about that when you go to the ballot box. All right, let's go to our phones. I'd like to hear from you on that issue as well. Let's go to our phones to Tim in Arkansas. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, yes, I called in a, a couple weeks ago, You and I believe it was you and Brother Alex McFarland, about the uh, thalidomide. Mm-hmm. But uh, today, of course, it's about you know Kamala Harris, and it's fentanyl now. Remember, these are just drugs that they're making to destroy us, and no one's taking money back from these people. Why, why are we not taking the money back? In other words, we should have uh, our lawyers on our side who are able to sue these people that are bringing these drugs across. Remember, it's fentanyl, not fentanyl. It's not an alcohol. It's a opioid derivative. In other words, it's a synthetic. And, but, but why aren't we more concerned about trying to take the money back from, like, Nancy Pelosi, who is a part of this, like Chucky Schumer, Mitch McConnell? See, in other words, he's doing the same thing, too. It's not just, you know, Republicans and Democrats. They're, they both get up there, and they're both controlled by the same people. So why aren't we more focused on taking the money back from these people. Yeah, well, uh, certainly the fentanyl is another one of those stories that the the mainstream media is not dealing with right now. Uh, It's out there, folks. Tons of this fentanyl is coming into this country, killing hundreds of our kids. Uh, it's, it's, it's It's a drug, and you've probably seen pictures of this, it kind of looks, they're manufacturing it now south of the border, that kind of it looks like little pieces of candy, and they're enticing kids into use that. And it doesn't take much for an overdose, but it's killing. It's killing our kids in this country. And it's another one of those stories as a result of Joe Biden's policy to open up our southern border and to not stop this coming in. 
Video's been shown. I know Fox News has been showing videos of these cartel people. They, they're, they're coming across the border. They're dressed in kind of a camouflage uniforms, and they've got backpacks on their back that's filled with this fentanyl. And our border people, I'm not blaming them, folks. They cannot stop everybody that's coming into this country. They can't. I mean, they're just, it's just being flooded right now. And like I say, it is, it is disturbing that we have a president of the United States, a vice president, too, who get out there and tell the public that our border is secure. The American people are smarter than they think they are. When I say they, I think Biden and Harris. The American people know what's going on. What can you do about it? There's a ballot box coming your way soon, and uh, you can make your feelings known there. But thanks for your comments, Tim. To um, Ellie, I believe it is, in Kentucky. Eli. Eli. Eli, go ahead. Uh, How are you today? I'm doing great. May I make a comment, please? Yes, go ahead, Eli. I am not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. It pains me and saddens me to see both parties argue, fight with each other, and insult each other. Mm-hmm. It's time both parties to behave like real Americans and take the politics on the side. It's really dividing the country. Yes. People angry, people mad. You can't speak with nobody anymore. Don't you think they should work together? Oh, uh, you know, it, it used to be that way, To us, uh, at least it's not anymore. I think the country is very politically divided. But, Eli, I, I think it's a case of you now have people with a very uh, Marxist agenda that are in control right now that are trying to change this country. I go back to the days of Barack Obama. Remember Barack Obama? One of his campaign themes, we're going to change the country. We're going to change the world. That was the theme of his election campaign. A lot of people said, okay, I wonder what he's talking about there, change the country. Well, now we know. And really what has happened since the days of Barack Obama, the reason that the left hated Donald Trump because he wanted to take America back to the Ronald Reagan type days. That's why they hated Donald Trump. And by the way, some of the people serving in the Biden administration said Donald Trump's election in 2016 was illegitimate. Now they're condemning people that, that say the 2020 election was illegitimate. But this idea that Barack Obama changed the country, it is continuing. But now we're seeing what they mean. They mean big government, big government control over the American people. And that is why we have this divide today. Because the American people don't want socialism. They don't want Marxism. The mainstream media is supporting the Democratic Party and not telling the other side of the story, the downside of Marxism. But now we're slowly learning. You're spending all kinds of taxpayers' money for these socialist programs, and look what it is doing to the economy. So that's why you have this political divide right now. We could go on and on about the difference in, uh, of where people stand on things like abortion, on homosexual marriage. Yes, we have a divided country, but the division is being driven by the left right now. On the conservative side, they just want to get it back to what this country, and the things that make this country great. All right, we're back after the break. Don't go away. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. 
In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. And you need to remember when we're dealing with mental health issues, there is Lord Jesus preserve the life. Dr. Gregory Jantz on Focus on the Family Minute, explaining how you can pray for a friend who's struggling with serious mental health issues. And preserve the life and you have a plan for this life. And it's a good plan. And then prevail. Prevail means I'm gonna win over the opposing forces. And so that's, I'm gonna have victory here. And you need to be speaking victory into that person's life. Pray, Lord God, give us the wisdom to know what is it they need, what's being missed. A lot of times a person who struggles with lifelong depression or anxiety, there's been a couple missing pieces to the puzzle. And, and so, Lord, show us what needs to be addressed here. And so I do see it. I see it like one big puzzle. We're going to keep putting the pieces in there, and God's going to help direct that. You'll hear more tips for encouraging a friend today at FamilyMinute.org. Back to the Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back. Fred sitting in for Bishop Jackson again today. Lord willing, Bishop Jackson should be back first next week. Uh, in the meantime, we do our best to take care of the shop for him. Let's go back to our phones right now to Jerry in Texas. Jerry, good afternoon. Go ahead. Hey, Brother Jackson from another mother with the same Heavenly Father. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say something, and please don't make me repeat it. Okay. In all seriousness, though, the vice president is gonna vice president when the vice president is vice presidenting. But when the vice president isn't vice presidenting, she's still gonna vice president because the vice president only vice presidents when the vice president is vice presidenting. Oh, That's okay. It. Okay. Don't say that again. <laughs> oh, I forgot one thing. <laughs> uh, I'll let you go and have a good day. All right. Take care. Not sure what all that meant, but uh, that's okay. Um, I, I'm getting the opinion he's not a big fan of the vice president. Janet in Texas, welcome to The Awakening. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, you know, why should it be such a shock to us that Kamala Harris, she, oh, just come on over. Oh, there's no problem on the border. No, no, no. Uh, because here, what did she do with uh you know, all the rioting and all the looting and all the breaking the laws in Seattle and wherever else. Oh, we, we just, she's just going to defend them, you know. And I'm just saying, you know, she has, she and Biden have gone against everything they pledged to uphold in their oath to, to pledge of the United States of America. And they should have been impeached a long time ago. But I'm just saying for her to say what she says, oh, blinded eyes, you know. Well, I'm thankful that our Governor Abbott sent those uh, those buses of people. You can't deny it now. And I'll say, Kamala, how you like them apples? Okay, that's all I had to say. All right, Janet, thank you. Well, the reason they haven't been impeached is because the Democrats control the House and the Senate right now. And that's what a lot of people are saying. If If Republicans are able in the midterm election to uh, win the House at least, uh, we're probably going to see a lot of committee work. A lot of committee work on Hunter Biden's laptop and how much uh, Hunter Biden uh, really was uh, directing money to the big guy, as we now know, some of the things, the emails that, that came off of Hunter Biden's laptop. I think there's going to be probably a hearing on that. I think you're going to have hearings uh, with Dr. Fauci 
and how much he knew about uh, where the COVID virus was developed, uh, because I think he knows a whole lot more than that. I think you're going to have hearings on so many different things, folks. Uh, that, uh, but it all depends if the Republicans gain uh, control of the House. All right, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty to Kansas now. John, welcome to the program. Go ahead. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bishop. <laughs> Actually, no. A um, couple of points on the previous guy. Uh, talked about uh, why can't this country get along and and and, uh, and uh, be even more civil. And, and uh, like uh, happened under Reagan 30, 40 years ago even, uh, that... Uh, Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan, opposite, Democrat, Republican, could get along and talk. Yeah. Um, so who moved from basic principles yeah. of our Constitution and law? Yeah. It's the Democrats. Mm-hmm. They've moved to socialism, which has led to authoritarianism, forced government control. Yeah. And they won't settle for freedom of the people that our Constitution gave us. Yes, they they are the ones that moved and they're the ones that are forcing people in all areas of life to get shots and affirm that uh, uh, transgender people are really transgender, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, exactly uh, opposite science on the government website genome.gov. It says if you've got X, Y, you're a male. If you've got XX, you're a female, period. Yeah. yeah. Pretty simple. You know, that's, that's uh, and John, we appreciate your comments. Uh, it is, a, is a, a great divide in our country based on value systems. Our caller mentioned uh, former um, Democrat Henry Hyde. And when Hyde uh, was in, in, you know, it was part of the high-profile Democrats at the time. Yeah, he and, 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 um, and and Ronald Reagan and others, they still have political differences. But on the big issues, when you talk about Hyde, you know he he stood for pro life, and there wasn't a big debate on on particular issues. The idea of legalizing homosexual marriage, folks, that's a fairly recent thing. Twenty five, thirty years ago, or beyond that, thirty, forty years ago. If a Democrat had brought up support for homosexual marriage, they would have been shunned right out of right out of Congress. But there have been some major changes. I remember when I came here 25 years ago, there was a, a Saturday night. Bill Clinton was president at the time. And there was a Saturday night event uh, which sponsored by the Human Rights Campaign, which is the nation's largest homosexual group. And Bill Clinton became the first United States president to openly attend a homosexual-sponsored meeting. And the shocking part, this was 25 years ago, was he asked how many people in in that room that night worked for his administration. And hundreds of people stood up. So that was 25 years. But that was a shock at that time. And you fast forward to 2015, <clears throat> Uh Remember, leading up to that 2015 Supreme Court decision, we had states across this country, more than 30 states, that passed pro-biblical marriage amendments. And Supreme Court struck it down. So I, I, I still believe that, that the core of this country is still very conservative. Now, I'm not saying all conservatives are Christians, but I think the core of the country still stands. I think that's, and we saw an indication of that uh, in Loudoun County in Virginia last year. When parents rose up and they said enough is enough about the indoctrination of our kids. And yes, we're not going to put up with boys who claim to be girls 
using the bathrooms of girls and assaulting girls. We're not going to put up with this. And it wasn't just conservative parents, folks. It was parents, I've often said, liberal parents love their kids too. And they're not going to put up with their kids being assaulted. Not going to put up with this nonsense in the schools. And as a result, you had a very blue state go red when they had their elections. So that was very encouraging to see. People just sometimes they're willing to go along with an ideology up to the point when the impact of that ideology hits their family. I don't believe this country wants Marxism. I don't believe this country wants socialism. It is just that many, particularly our young people, have not seen the impact of what Marxism and what socialism does to a country. I had the opportunity back a few years ago to uh, go to Cuba on a mission and went down there and saw firsthand. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing if you see pictures of countries that are under the the heavy hand of Marxism, but it's another thing when you go there and you see actually see it and you can smell it, the results of Marxism and what it's doing to people. And when you look at the look at their faces and they're envious of you who come from America to visit. And you know what? If you need any more proof, not that you need a lot. Why is it that so many people are trying to get from Cuba to America? You don't have a lot of people in boats going from America to Cuba. And the oppression that Christians are under in these nations, these these Marxist nations. But sometimes people have to see it for their, themselves. It has to go beyond that ideology that they're taught in our university classrooms by professors who are enjoying the life of living in a capitalist nation, and yet at the same time in the classroom they condemn capitalism, but they're sure enjoying the life that they get from that, and yet they teach their kids that America needs to become socialist, needs to become Marxist. These professors, if they were being honest, they would promote the idea that what has made America great is not Marxism, not socialism. It is Christian principles of opportunity and working hard to get ahead. I find it very interesting, folks who have come here from countries like Haiti, and I think of the testimonies of a Dr. Ben Carson I think of the testimony of some of these other high-profile politicians came here in absolute poverty. Uh, Winsome Sears, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, came here, their families in absolute poverty, but they worked hard, and America afforded them the opportunity to move forward and make something of themselves. That is the proof. That is the reality. And more and more bigger government puts government more in control of your life. And I really don't think the majority of Americans want that. They enjoy their freedoms. They enjoy the opportunity to get ahead, not to be told what kind of car they have to drive, what kind of education they have to endure. They want choice. I think that's what America is all about. Good to be with you today, folks. Much more great programming here on American Family Radio. Stand by for the core with Walker Wildman. See you again real soon. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.